Wow, I hope I can live up to that one, huh? That's good. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good? That's good. Jesus is good, isn't he? I love it. He's good. He's good. He's good. I love kind of singing those songs. I really do. Great time. Today we continue our series on the 12. We're looking at the apostles, the 12 apostles that walked with Jesus for three years plus in their life. The first week, uh, Pastor Jeremy, who's not here, he's up having a hard time. He's fishing for salmon up in Alaska. I wish I was there <laughs> with him. He did Matthew, Levi, and, uh, you know, the tax collector. And then Pastor Jeff, he began uh, the week after that, and he talked about James, Judas, and just the cracks that were in his life and allowed things into his life and finally betraying our Lord and our Savior. And last week, Pastor Jeff, he spoke about John. John, the one who loved. And uh, I love that guy. I really do. I love Pastor Jeff. I love all the pastors. But I I love John because he spoke of God's love. And that's what brought me to Christ. It was the love of God. I wanted love. I was searching for love. And uh, I found love. Because Jesus is love. And... uh, I'm that old guy that's going to tell you to just keep loving. If we can do anything, if you remember anything, it's what we preach here all of the time. Love the world one person at a time. And I've been doing that my whole life as a Christian, and I hope to do that. I love character studies. They're great. And we all have them, right? I mean, wouldn't you all agree we all got flaws? My wife's even here at the second service, which is unbelievable, you know. But, you know, the Bible doesn't hide those things. It doesn't hide those things because it helps us to see that all these men, and not just men, but women, that we're all humans. We're all humans. And we're all broken. And we all need fixing. We need Jesus working on our life. All. And I'm far from, far from perfect. But the Holy Spirit is here today, guys just like he was in the first service. And he wants to help you and I apply his word, his truth to our lives. All it takes is our willingness to say, Lord, help that word get in my life. Help us walk that word out in our life. Because that's what it is. Not just knowing it, it's doing it. It's doing the word of God. And that can be difficult at times. It truly can. I'm going to talk about Peter today. And... uh, We're going to get to know this impulsive Peter a little bit better today than I think that we're in. Just like Peter jumped out of that boat that he was in, that boat of fear, he's going to challenge us to jump out of some of the boats that we find ourselves in today. I'd like you all to stand up as we honor God's word and uh, stand as I read uh, our memory verse, our key verse, Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus called his 12 disciples together and gave them what? Authority. Gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and ill every kind of disease and illness. He gave them the right. He gave them the ability, and he's given you and I the ability to do the stuff he did. That's why he called them. That's why he's called you and I. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for calling us. I pray for those you're calling today, even as this message goes for us. You've probably been calling them since we started worshiping, that they would yield to the call today. 
Thank you, Lord, that you have us on a journey. And what a great journey it is. It's a journey to learn more about you and who you are and how you like to. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for doing that. It's in your name that we pray. And we all said, amen. Peter owned a fishing business. Owned the business with his brother, Andrew, who we haven't talked about yet. But he also had two other settings. And I said this at the first service, too, that, you know, people don't realize that anyone who comes up here and teaches, whether it be a Sunday, whether it be a Wednesday or whatever it is, or you're teaching in Sunday school, you learn more than everybody else. There's always things. Even for this old pastor, there's, there's things to learn. But as I was studying, I, I, I used this, this one help that I hardly ever use. I, I guess I really didn't even say this. I kind of jumped ahead. Jesus didn't specifically call him. It was his brother who went out and said, hey, you need to come and see this Jesus. This is the guy we've all been waiting for. And what Robert said in his word study is that there was some kind of a reluctancy for Peter to come and check out Jesus. For Peter to, to, to come and just see him and have a face-to-face. It's not the pastor's job to do that. It's not somebody else's job. It's your job. Where you live, where you work, where you do, whatever you do, it's your responsibility to introduce them to Jesus. Say, hey, come. I want to tell you about this guy, Jesus. I want you to see what he's done in my personal life. It's an amazing thing. It truly is. Matthew 16, verse 18, that says this, and this is right after he comes and sees Jesus. And this is what Jesus says to Peter. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. So he comes and he meets Jesus. What does he do? He gives him a new name. He gives him a nickname. Any of you got nicknames? Yeah. Some of them are probably good ones. Some of them are kind of bad ones, huh? I got quite a few of them. <laughs> my wife can give me some pretty good ones from time to time. No, I just kidding you. You guys know my wife right here, right? She's my better half, you know, right? She's my better half. Sometimes you get kind of an opposite one. But here's this encounter that, that Peter has with Jesus. And at that time, his name was called Simon. And he gives him a new name. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation, every one of us will get a new name. I, I love what Dustin did here today and went through the different names because names are to that being protective. So he gives him a new name, gives him a nickname. In the Greek, Peter. In the Aramaic, it was Cephas. He was called Simon before that, the son of Jonas. And it was interesting as I studied, here's this little point. You have Jesus giving him a different name. Because this is the thing, guys. Jesus knows what we can become when we're sold out for him. He knew what this old guy was going to look like when I first gave my life to him all the way back in 1971 as a 19-year-old person. He knew it. He knows what you can become too. Simon was a bucket of sand. It really was. I got kind of this picture of that's kind of what he later became the timid guy that he was. He, He became the guy who preached to thousands on the day of Pentecost. Thousands got saved this uneducated fisherman who Jesus said, I'm going to call you Rock. Not not Simon anymore. I'm going to call you Rock. That's his calling. 
God's calling some of you today to get out of some of the boats that you're in. Some of the boats that you're in. You know, in 1971, I was part of a dysfunctional family. I was living for my pleasures and my desires. I was broke up about 150 times. <laughs> it wasn't quite that many, but, you know, I mean, that's kind of how it was and stuff. But I was living for myself, totally, completely. I quit college. My dad told, told me, you know, you get out of high school. He says, get to college. I said, I don't want to go. Get to college. So I went to college. I quit. I was good for him, my life. And when he did that, you know what he gave me? He gave me purpose. He gave me purpose, and he started directing my footsteps. That's what it says. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And God started ordering my life. He gave me a career. I became a union carpenter and a framer and then a contractor. And he also called me and my wife. And you have purpose. Don't ever forget that. He's given you purpose. Well, his calling was unique. And then the growth of Peter, it's impressive. It it just impresses me. It truly does. He grew so much from this young Christian man to this older Christian man. He had gifts. He had abilities. He was far from perfect, like I said. I'm sure he probably knew it. He might not have said that he was, but he was far from it. He was a natural-born leader, a natural-born leader, you know. You guys know natural-born leaders. That's how it is. I, I was a natural-born leader. God, you, you're either made that way or you're not made that way. I was the kid. I'm not kidding. I was 10 years old. I was the president of the little club that we had. Whatever we had. I had a surf club one time. I was the president of the club. Got it started. That's what leaders do. But the problem with natural-born leaders is a lot of time they get filled with pride. They get filled with pride. Pastor Jeff talked about James and the struggle that he went through that. Peter struggled with it too and persuade people. And that's what Peter could do. And he did a good job at it. But he was confident, yes, and that's what natural born leaders are. He was bold, but he was arrogant too. Remember in Matthew 26, 33, I don't have it up here, but that's where he said, look, I know if all these other disciples leave, I'll never leave you, Lord bragged that's his pride and we know what happened he fell he was scared to death and he took off running he was like that dove he took off Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 10 12 and I'm sure he was talking about pride because this is what he said here if you think you are standing strong be careful not to fall be careful not to fall and when you look in the book of Peter When you look in that book, you get into chapter five. He's talking to young men how to live their life. And you know what he talks to them about? Pride. And he says, you need to humble yourself into the mighty hand of God and he'll exalt you in due times through that. That's what he does. He humbles us because God can use the humble more than he can use those filled with pride. So Peter was growing on and on and on. He was a very likable guy. I mean, most of us, we read and we go, yeah, he's a likable guy. Pastor Jeff was talking uh, uh, last week, I think it was, and saying he's the guy everybody talks about being, you know, he's the negative side of things. He did a lot of stupid stuff, said a lot of stupid things along the way. He was outgoing. He was extroverted. He was enthusiastic. And listen, the most important thing, he loved Jesus with his whole heart. 
loved him with his whole heart and was willing to follow him. He was impulsive, he was spontaneous, he was rash. He was get around him and follow him. But he was impulsive sometimes. He was outspoken at times. And I tried to find a picture of this, but I couldn't find it, of Peter putting the sandals in his head. He probably said, oh my gosh, I can't even believe I said that. We've done that from time to time. I'm sure you have. Let me ask you something. We did this survey. Survey says, easy. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there you go. But impulsiveness sometimes showed up in the things that he said. He said, good things, the son of the living God. But it was the same Peter. <laughs> you know what he said? He rebuked Jesus one time, remember? Jesus is preparing his disciples. I'm going to die, guys. I'm not going to be around. And Peter didn't like that. And Peter goes and rebukes his master. And remember what Jesus said to Peter? He said, Satan, get behind me. In other words, Peter didn't understand the will of God. And he says, you're not going the right way. You're saying the wrong things, Peter. So he did have that impulsiveness. I had a friend of mine, a great friend of mine. His name was Gary Sinardi, crazy Italian guy. And Janet and I and went out with the other few people. And this guy, I'm telling you, he was the most impulsive person I've ever known in my life. My wife just looked at me like, yeah, he was. So impulsive, but I learned so much. That man discipled me. I already loved the word of God, but when I got with him, I began to love it even more. Begin to memorize it more. He challenged me more. He truly did. He's already home. Be with Jesus. I mean, that, and uh, we had to do a lot of repair. That's why God sent me. Here's Carpenter, and he sends me down there, and I just worked all the time down there. But needless to say, one day, one night, he calls me up on Saturday night, and I'll never forget it. He calls me up and he said, hey, Randy, you need to come down here. I kind of started, like, tearing out the altar. 8 o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, I ended up working on down. I don't know until what hours that it was. And we got it fixed up and did that. Another time, on his own house, when he lived up in Newberry Park, he calls me, he goes, hey, Randy, I like that. <laughs> he was just so impulsive, but like Peter, he loved the Lord so much, so much. We were skiing one time. He was crazy. And then one time he looks, he goes, I think we ought to go right down over there. And I'm like going, Really? And he goes, yeah, let's go down there. We shot on down there, went into powder over our head. We got stuck. Took us hours to get out of that thing. Those are scriptures so much he's not talking about. Should have it up there. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. We're going to 22 to 27, and then we're going to break it up and go down to the other part. So immediately after this, what? They were feeding the 5,000 plus people. Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross. We're fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified, terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. So here's this encounter with the 12 disciples. And all of a sudden, verse 26 says what? At Jesus walking on the water. They think that Jesus is a ghost. Disciples encountered something they had never seen before. No one's ever walked on water. They didn't know what it was. The unfamiliar is scary, isn't it? For each and every one of us. I don't care how strong you are in the Lord. The unfamiliar will jolt you a little. Listen, it's hard to see Jesus clearly when we're one, filled with fear. Two, we're in an unknown situation. 
and three, when we are exhausted. One of the other gospels says that they had were rowing for free. Do it with his words. Not with his actions, but with his words. Parents, what do you do to your children when, they, when they're gripped with fear? You know what you do. You try and calm them down, don't you? Don't be afraid. You're basically, don't be scared, you know? Uh, don't be troubled. Don't be anxious. And then you try and encourage them and you say, take courage. That's what Jesus said. Take courage. In other words, be strong. Be brave. Well, let's go on with the story. We see what Peter Impulsive Peter comes into the story here. Verse 28. Then Peter called out to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me. Tell me to come to you walking on the water. And Jesus, 29, it says, yes, come, said Peter. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was, what? Terrified. And there's fear again. And began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. And Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. And he was willing to take a risk. Well, they say, no risk, no gain. Taking a risk. He was willing to take a risk. I think we got a picture of, of Peter. Here's Peter already getting out of the boat. He was willing to take a risk and jump out of that boat of fear. All 12 of them are in that boat of fear, but he was willing to. He had saw Jesus do some powerful things, feed the 5,000. His faith was growing and his impulsiveness got mingled. But as you walk with Jesus and the more years you spend with him and the more things he does in grow and grow and grow. You know, as I said, I was a surfer. Still am. Don't surf as much as I used to. But we had a surf trip in 1971, 70, whatever it was and stuff. We're brand new Christians and stuff. And we used to head down to San Diego all of the time. We lived in Culver City. We'd head all the way down to North County. We'd go down about Encinitas down there. And we headed down on a surf. If you guys were here on the Wednesday night that I taught a while back ago, my buddy Howie, the guy that was here, he was bald. He used to have hair down to here that was red and a big long beard. Looks like Justin Turner. Every time I see Turner, I tell my wife, there's Howie. Justin <laughs> Beach and got some gas. We're heading back on. So we're about 45 or 45 minutes down. We got another hour and a half or even longer to get down there. And as Mike's is in the car and he's taken off and everything and he's, you know, coming onto the on-ramp, you could hear like his lifter starting to go and we're thinking, oh my Lord, something's going to happen here. And a couple of us, he put the pedal to the metal, man, and just crammed it down there. You could just hear the car just going, the engine going, guess what? Blew up about 50 feet down the road down there. Next thing you know, we're in the boat of despair. Not whatever it was. We all got together, held hands, and we had a friend of ours that was there that wasn't, he didn't know Christ yet. So we were trying to introduce him to him. We even had him praying with us. And we said, Lord, just give us. We had surf racks in there, strapped the surf racks in there. We, we couldn't even fit inside the guy's car, had our surf racks on there. The guy took us right to San Diego, dropped us off right at the beach where we were surfing. He says, I'll see you guys later. You don't think our faith was growing through that whole thing? Took us three rides to get home. 
And we, and guess what? My buddy Mike and I, and how we went in there and we testified. That's what we used to do in the old time. Tell a story. We testified. Said, we got a story for you guys. We told them the story of God giving us a ride, giving the whole kind of, man, they just erupted in praise to God for all of that. Command me to come, Lord, if that's you, and I'm going to come. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, he said, come. And that's to get out the boats that we find ourselves in. One, this is it, if you're taking notes. It's on the app, I believe it. He had a desire to do the same stuff that Jesus was doing. He said, boy, if Jesus walked on water, I want to walk on water. And he walked towards Jesus. The trust that he put in the voice of the Lord. Remember he said to him, if it's you, Lord, you tell me that's you, and I'll come towards you. He trusted and he discerned the voice of the Lord. For a lot of us, this is his voice, guys. These are the directions right here. This is what we follow, not what the world says, not what TV says, not what social media is out of that boat of fear. And then you got to keep your eyes on Jesus. you got to have that relationship focus to do that. After leaving the boat, what happened to him? I think we got a picture of Peter starts to sink. He lost his focus, guys. That's what he lost. He lost his, he lost his focus. He heard and saw the winds and the waves that were there. It was stormy. Fear gripped his heart again. You know, what we learn is that fear distorts reality. When we're gripped with fear, we really need to not expect that Jesus is going to be there. He's always there. He's always there. Terrified Peter cries out to Jesus to save him. Jesus always hears our cries for help. And Jesus just reaches down, just reaches down to Peter. And he starts to pull him back out again. I mean, when we jump out of that boat, whatever boat it is, we need to stay focused. I don't want you guys to sink. Don't you ever think that. Say, but man, Randy, I'm... I feel like I'm sinking. No, he's right there. He's right there. And all you got to do is Peter reaching out. I don't know who reached the most, but, but I know Jesus' hand was right there, and I'm sure Peter had to make some movement towards him. You hearing what I'm saying? We have to make movement towards You know, if you're feeling like you're sinking, you're feeling that you're overwhelmed, you got to put your hand in his hand. Put your hand in his hand. That's the hand that can deliver you. That's he's translated us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. He did that. I didn't do that in my life. He took me out of darkness. I started walking towards him, but he took me. He presses into us is what he does. He's the only hand that we need to put our life in. And listen... Jesus kind of rebuked him a little bit, didn't he? He kind of did. You know why he did that? He loved him. And he wanted him to learn how to trust. What parents, what do you do? I got a six-year-old grandkid and almost a two-year-old one. And if grandpa even just turns his harsh voice on, the little six-year-old, he just starts crying. But there's times that as parents, we have to, what? We, we kind of have to rebuke our kids. Because why? We love them. Jesus loves us. That's why he disciplines us. That's why he said to Peter, Peter, come on, man. Why'd you doubt? 
You were doing it, Peter. You were walking, man. You were walking with me. And, and those 11 caught in that boat over there, that boat of fear, they were watching you. And they were probably wishing they were out there with us. He wants us to trust him, guys, all the time and in all things. All the time and in all things. You know, to wrap this thing up, I don't know what boat you're in, but the Lord said there's a lot of boats out there. A lot of different kind of boats. Maybe it's the boat of fear. Maybe it's the boat of doubt. You know, see if you can find yourself maybe in one of these boats. Maybe it's the, the, the boat of despair. You don't have any hope. Maybe it's the boat of confusion, laziness, addiction. Maybe it's the boat of hate, anger, resentment, pride, maybe envy. Maybe you're in a boat of a bad relationship. And Jesus so desperately wants to help you out of that. Maybe it's a boat of a, of a bad habit. Maybe, it's, maybe you're in the boat of gossip. Wow, look at social media. It destroys people's lives. It's what gossip does. It hurts people. And then maybe you're in the boat of financial trouble. I don't know. I don't know. There's a bunch of different boats that are out there, guys. But I just want you to know this as we close, and then we're going to pray. Jesus is always willing to help us jump out of that boat. Always willing to do that. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. You want to help us to get out of that boat. Thank you. You called me, Lord, and you've called my brothers and sisters to walk with you, to do the stuff that you did. I know that right now, Jesus is calling some of you that don't know him. He's saying, come, get to know me. Come and walk with me. I'll teach you. I'll, I'll give you a purpose. I'll help you with whatever boat that you're in. If that's you, Jesus wants you to give your life to him today. And you can do that by just saying this prayer with me. Lord God, I need help. I need help. I need you to rescue me, Lord. I, I, I need a solid place to stand. I need my life changed. My life is so messed up, Lord. I need you. Jesus, forgive me. I know that you died for me, that you were raised from the dead, and that you're coming back again. I right now give my life to you. I pray, Lord, for the rest of us that you, you would just help us Help us to see the boat that we're in and help us to get out of those boats that we might be in. Help us to take that just little bit of faith and jump out of the boat and start moving towards you. Help us to hear your voice, Lord, to learn your voice, to obey your voice, and help us to keep our eyes on you, Lord, and help us as Peter to keep learning and keep growing in faith, Lord. It's in your name that we pray. And they all said, amen.